Hello, my name is Sam Clements and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. On today's show, our October edition of the podcast, we are going to cover four films opening at your local picture house. These are not the only films opening at your local picture house. There are more coming out in October, but we have handpicked four of the ones that we were most excited about, the ones that we are uh, you know, looking forward to, the ones that we have seen that we're able to share with you today. Now, my job on this podcast really is to be the introductory voice. I am the MC, the master of ceremonies. I am here to guide you through uh, the show. But on every edition of our monthly review podcasts, we welcome two new guest critics, two new voices to the podcast. We <laughs> put them in front of four movies and then we ask them uh, what they thought. And uh, and yeah, it's kind of nice that you get different voices on the show, different opinions being shared. And uh, and yeah, it's always, always good to talk to more of our fellow colleagues in the film biz. We have got two excellent people on the podcast for you today. First up, we are joined by Joy, who is an interviewer for Bauer Media. You may have seen her on social media covering premieres and going to exciting press trips to film sets and all that sort of stuff. Uh, she is absolutely wonderful. You can find her at OGO A Joy on social media. Um, find her on Instagram and TikTok. And Joy will be joined by Ben Travis, a writer for Empire Magazine, a host of the Disneyversity podcast, a podcast all about the films of Disney, the animated films from Disney, uh, that is. Um, I, I love listening to that show, and I, I love reading Empire Magazine, so it's nice to have Ben on board. Occasionally, Ben might be on the Empire podcast also, so his voice might be familiar to some of you. Ben is a great guy, never been on a podcast before. Uh, Joy has been on doing some interviews for us before, so if you are a long-term listener of the show, uh, you may have heard Joy covering some interviews for Picture House, but not, I don't think, reviewing any films. So we've got Joy, we've got Ben, and we've got four fantastic films which are coming to your local Picture House in October. First up, we will be talking about The Great Escaper, the new film from Michael Caine and Glenda Jackson, the sadly uh, recently departed Glenda Jackson. Absolute legend, and this is her final on-screen uh, performance. And with Michael Caine, he often says he's retiring and this is his last film. I, I'm not sure if that is the case uh, for this one. I, I think he announced a couple of years ago he wasn't doing any more film work. And then he's now starring uh, in this fantastic new film, uh, The Great Escaper, directed by Oliver Parker. Uh, that film is in cinemas now, and we sent Joy and Ben along to watch. Right, as soon as we've had some grub, I'll take you for a spin along the front. And when we get back... I think they've got a male stripper for you. What? I made that last bit up. I want to go to France. What are you on about? The trip to the beaches. D-Day. Really sorry, Bernie. You left it too late. I couldn't leave you all on your own. Unless you have to. Joy, we're out of seeing The Great Escaper. What did you make of that? 
I really enjoyed it. It was really interesting. Um, yeah, so The Great Escaper is about, you know, this World War II veteran who sneaks out of his care home and that, that kind of goes viral <laughs> because they're like, oh, who's this man in the care home sneaking out? Um, but he did it to attend um, the 70th anniversary commemoration of the D-Day landings in Normandy. And obviously Michael Caine stars as uh, Bernard in this movie, um, who is a man that sneaks out. And um, it's yeah, it just was so cute to see the love story between him and his wife. Uh, his wife is played by Glenda Jackson. And um, yeah, obviously she gave him her blessing to go and, you know, go to this D-Day commemoration. And I actually thought it was quite interesting, as nice as it was to see like their love story, like, you know, see her supporting him and obviously him go on this journey, you know, to, you know, go back to, I guess, the place where, you know, you know, it all started basically. It was just interesting to see their relationship and even when he came back and not to spoil anything, but to know that, you know, she wasn't well during the time when she, he left him, but she still gave him her blessing. And to see him go on that journey and kind of like encounter demons as he returned back to the place where it all started, I think it was really interesting. And I think beyond like, you know, classic like war films where we obviously see like the vet, you know, go through, there's flashbacks in this movie. But yeah, just I think for me, it was just the, I think I really enjoyed seeing their relationship. What did you, what did you think of it? Yeah, I didn't quite know what I was going to make of this. It's not the sort of thing I'd normally go and see at the cinema if I I'm totally honest, but I got really sucked into this. I don't know about you, but I it was less simple as a film than I thought it was going to be because there's quite a lot of complicated stuff going on with with Bernard, Michael Caine's character in terms of like we we're, we're sort of watching his journey back to France as you say for the the D-Day anniversary. But the way that the world perceives his escape in this kind of, oh yeah, the OAP who's escaped the care home, he's going through this really traumatic time and reliving a lot of traumatic memories. And the way that it deals with trauma in war for that generation and for younger generations as well, because there's a, a sort of younger character who's with them on this journey, who is a recent um, war veteran who has lost limbs in the war. The way it dealt with that was really interesting i thought it had really great characterization yeah and glenda jackson as as bernard's wife what did you make of her i thought she was just so sparky in this this is one of her final films because she sadly died after shooting no of course um you know we pay respects to the late glenda jackson um i yeah i think she was uh spicy i think she you know she knew she knew what she wanted she wasn't afraid to use her voice you know she yeah, she kind of sent the people who work at the care home on for a run. You know, she knew deep down, you know, that, you know, Bernard had gone, but she kind of was like sending them on a kind of a run. Um, I thought she was amazing in it. Yeah, and, and I guess, yeah, reflecting on the, the elements of like PTSD, like the things that the soldiers are, are going, the vets are going through. Yeah, I think that was, we, they did touch on that briefly. I did, did you think it was kind of interesting how him going viral and him escaping the care home, one could argue that got more attention than him actually serving his country. Like, what do you make of that? Yeah, completely. There's this disparity between the thing that everybody is excited about in terms of the news story and actually what the film does is resurface the reality of that war for him and for his generation. And uh, yeah, the way it balanced those two things, while still giving you, ultimately, it is still a bit of like cheeky chappy Michael Caine on the lamb out of the care home. It manages to give you both of those things at once and Michael Caine and he's he is very old now but it's such a joy to see him still leading a film in this way like if you like Michael Caine 
you're going to get a lot of just lovely, warm Michael Caine from this movie with a little bit of edge, I'd say. I'd say his most warmest moment was when um, I think he was in the pub and there were these uh, German veterans and he was like, can I go and speak to them? <laughs> like, yeah. that's so nice. And they were able to have that bonding moment. And that's the sort of slightly more complex moment than you'd expect from this film that really surprised me in a, in, in a strong way. Yeah, I had a lot of time for The Great Escaper was not necessarily the film I thought it was going to be. And yet it's also exactly what the posters promise you, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. If you look at the posters with the, with the union Jacks and with Michael Caine and Glenda Jackson there, it it is that film, but it's also not that film at the same time. It was, uh, yeah, an enjoyably complex watch. I thought. I'd say that's a nice Sunday afternoon watch. Completely, completely. Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before, so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. So there we go. Uh, I have not seen The Great Escaper yet, but it sounds like it's uh, it's it's quite fun. Also, sounds like it's quite sad. I have seen the trailer, and it has made me uh, made me start to well up uh, a little bit. So I'm very curious to watch this. I will get to a screening very soon. This next film, Martin Scorsese's new film, The Killers of the Flower Moon, I have seen, and I actually watched it with Joy and with Ben, and uh, and that was that was a good. I mean, that was a great night out. Oh, crikey, a new Martin Scorsese film. Wow. Um, it was interesting. I don't think Joy knew how long the film was beforehand, and she was quite surprised. But at the end of the film, we were all talking. I was like, well, that, that flies by. And that's because Martin Scorsese is a wonderful, wonderful filmmaker. And it's been, I think, five years now since his last film, The Irishman. And uh, yeah, he's very much back uh, with reuniting with Leonardo DiCaprio, reuniting with Robert De Niro. And I think it's their first Scorsese film together which is quite fun. But anyway, Killers of the Flower Moon is in cinemas on the 20th of October, and it's designed for the big screen. There's so much great stuff going on. It's absolutely beautiful, and I cannot wait to hear what Ben and Joy made of this film. Whose land is this? My land. Well, 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 our war hero has arrived. You made a good choice coming back here. Those days are the finest, wealthiest, and most beautiful people on God's earth. They outsmarted everybody. They have the say. Who gets the oil? Son, I got a question. You like women? <laughs> That's my weakness. <laughs> well, we mix these families together, and that estate money flows the right direction. It'll come to us. Shomikasi. That's how you are. I don't know what you said, but it must have been Indian for handsome devil. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Ben, we've just watched the Martin Scorsese three and a half hour movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. What did you make of it? Brand new three and a half hour Scorsese American epic. What a time to be alive. Yeah, that was what an experience. This is, uh, yeah, Scorsese's latest film, set in uh, 1920s America, uh, in Oklahoma, in the Osage Nation. The indigenous American community uh, has struck rich with oil. They have been supplanted from certain lands by 
colonizers, but the land that they currently have is incredibly oil rich. They are, you know, swimming in wealth, basically, which does not sit well with the white colonialists. So there is this outright plot, basically, to murder and extort the Osage people in order for the white Americans to uh, supplant the land, to get rich off that wealth. It is a big, sweeping, harrowing historical story. But if you're going to have somebody to tell this story in a powerful, cinematic, and respectful way, Martin Scorsese is your guy. Did did this hit you in the same way that it hit me, Joy? I think it was quite interesting. I think, um, obviously, like, I've seen my fair share of Westerns and, you know, I'm, I'm aware of, you know, race relations, like, in America, you know, in, in the early 1900s and 1920s and so on. But I wasn't ever familiar, like, with this story. So I think um, this movie and it coming out, I think it's going to teach people, you know, the history of what happened, um, you know, with the Osage community. Um, so I think that, that was interesting. But I think for me that the, the time, <laughs> the time of the movie is kind of, yeah, I did struggle. I will say I did struggle um, concentration wise. And I think um, it's a shame because it's such an important story. And I, and I really do, and I implore people, like, yes, it might be three and a half hours. I'm even going to watch it again so I can really, because I want to grasp, grasp the depth of not only the filmmaking, but of also the story, because it's such an important story. But yeah, I want to encourage people, like, don't get put off by the time, because it's worth, it's a story worth investing into. You know, you will learn, you know, of this dark history, you know, that happened in America. And I just want to point out, Martin really works with members of the Osage community. I don't know if you're aware. The Jim Gray, the former principal chief of the Osage Nation, he released a statement on Twitter detailing, you know, his, uh, I guess, involvement with the movie and making sure, you know, that they use their voices to speak up and, and work with Martin. So even like offset and onset, like there were people obviously from the Osage community involved in the film. And his, I think, I believe it was his great grandfather um, who was Henry Rowan who was murdered and so for him and I just want to say like yes it's a Martin Scorsese movie but don't forget the heart of the story like this is like it's a real story these are real family members like people who are from the Osage community if they do see this movie if they do see this movie it's it's more than a cinema movie it's it's their story so yeah I hope people learn and grasp the depth of this history because it's more than a movie yeah I think so much of the power and intention of this was Scorsese feeling like this story absolutely needed to be told and it needed to focus on the Native American perspective, which the book it's based on is also much more about the FBI investigation and the early years of the FBI. The focus here so much is on the Osage community and Scorsese fills the screen with Native American actors in a way I've rarely seen in a big American movie. There is intention behind every single image, every single shot. And as much as one of the headline events here is seeing Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro together, these two great Scorsese muses, both in the same film, the heart of the film is Lily Gladstone, who is, uh, we should say, Robert De Niro's William Hale. I don't think it's a spoiler to say because it's history and it's the whole point. He is ultimately the person orchestrating this grand plan to uh, supplant the Osage people. 
Leonardo DiCaprio is Ernest Burkhart, who is his nephew, who is uh, very much in thrall to, to King Hale, he calls him. And Lily Gladstone is Molly Burkhart, who is Leonardo DiCaprio's character's wife. And she is outstanding in this film. She is the one who is so directly affected by these murders. Her, she is watching her family and her community be killed around her. And the way that she navigates this film, the way that she commands every scene, I think is just impeccable. I cannot wait to see this again. Are you gonna? So you're gonna see it again? It has to be seen in the, on the big screen, right? I'm definitely gonna see it again, and I just want to read a direct quote from Jim Gray, who, like I said, he's the former. Um, I'm just get started to write. He's the former principal chief of the Osage Nation, and his thoughts on the film was, "How was the movie? It was excellent." Scorsese even captured some of our humour. The performances across the board were Oscar-worthy. I mean it. I've never seen a movie like this before. No white saviour, nothing needed to be made up. The violence is real and the music of the Osage language was beautifully spoken by all of the actors, especially the non-Osage actors. And we saw Leonardo speak the you know the language that was absolutely amazing and he says at some point i stopped worrying about the subtitles but the ending oh man you will not forget the ending but you're gonna have to see the film for that yeah i agree with every single word of that the ending i i'm gonna go see this again in the cinema just for the ending definitely Oh, there is so much to say about Killers of the Flower Moon. I could listen to people talk about this film for hours. I think I will do. I think going forward, I will be seeking out podcasts exclusively about Killers of the Flower Moon. On that note, actually, we do have a special interview podcast coming up with the costume designer, Jacqueline West, uh, which will be in the feed uh, shortly after this. So do check that one out. She's an absolute legend in the industry. And uh, yeah, it's fascinating to hear uh, what it was like working with Scorsese and the gang on this film. Moving on, our next film is Blackberry, a really wonderful biopic type historical drama, um, a narrative film, but based on on the true story of of making the uh, uh, BlackBerry, the popular, <laughs> the, the the popular before the iPhone, uh, mobile phone, uh, smartphone. There, um, this film is really fun, and it's handled with a lightness of touch and. I really love films that are about, you know, guys getting the job done. Uh, you know, these sort of films that are based on on historical events, against all odds, that sort of stuff. Uh, I had a whale of a time watching this. Uh, didn't know anything about how Black Breeze uh, came to be, and, uh, and it covers all the way up to sort of the introduction of the iPhone, and I think we all know what happened to Blackberry after that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was great to, uh, great to see. I love seeing this film and looking forward to seeing what Joy and Ben made of it. Over to them. Yeah, what can I do for you? Okay, picture a cell phone and an email machine all in one thing. There is a free wireless internet signal all across North America and nobody has figured out how to use it. It's like the force. Sorry, have you seen Star Wars? No. That guy is sketchy. I don't think he's sketchy. The guy's a shark. I know how to market it, and I know who we can sell it to. But I want 50% of the company, and I've got to be CEO. I don't know who you think you are, but deal. Are you joking? So now we have BlackBerry. Before we get into the video, did you have a BlackBerry back in the day? Did you ever have a BlackBerry? Yes, I did. I had a BlackBerry <laughs> bulb. I had a BlackBerry curve, I believe. I, I had about three. I had three BlackBerrys. 
I absolutely loved this movie. Honestly, I after I left the cinema, I called my brother, I called my best friend, and I'm like, oh my God, you have to see this movie. I'm going to go watch it again. So BlackBerry explores the incredible growth and tragic collapse of the world's first smartphone. And obviously how, you know, it rose to fame. Like everybody had BlackBerry, BBM took over the world. But then as we know... I'm holding it in my hand. Apple came and blew that out of the water. And like I said, like for someone with a BlackBerry and constantly seeing like the new, the new BlackBerry, the new this, new that, like it was just not only so nostalgic, but I think for me, like my main takeaway from the movie, which is so ironic because it's called BlackBerry, my main takeaway from the movie was, okay, how did and how can I do what Apple did? Like it left me more inspired about what Apple did and kind of like, you know, kind of for me, I think it was a story of how kind of like cat and mouse or playing a game of tag or it. It's like, okay, like who has, who continuously wears the crown and like, how can you snatch it from the other person? And obviously like Apple, they came and did that with the, you know, touchscreen iPhone and they stayed on top. And yeah, it was, it was amazing, amazing movie. It's such an interesting perspective, isn't it? Of like this insane rise, this these people who created a thing that's never existed before. They're talking about in those terms, like how do we put a computer into a phone? And they do it and they achieve it. And it's the biggest thing in the world until so quickly it is supplanted by something else. It's such a sort of underdog perspective. I think that comes through in the film itself as well, because this is a, a Canadian film. The BlackBerry was a Canadian product. And I think Canada seems to sometimes have that bit of relationship to America that sort of the scrappy Canadians did it first. And then America came in um, in a much slicker way. And immediately, you know, the iPhone becomes the biggest thing ever. But you have, uh, yeah, Jay Baruchel is uh, Mike Lazaridis, who is, you know, one of the tech people who, uh, along with Doug Fragan, played by Matt Johnson, they come up with the, the back-end technology for this. And then Glenn Howerton comes in as Jim Balsley, who has the idea of like, no, we, we he has the business know-how to make this work as a viable product. And a lot of it is about their shifting relationship. They kind of all need each other, and yet they also have very fractious relationships with each other. Mm. I think Glenn's portrayal as Jim, honestly, it was just so powerful. You know, every time you... Like, he scared me in the cinema. <laughs> like, I think he's... I think Jay Burchell, like, he blew out of the park. And it was so interesting to see Jay go from, you know, this, like guy with his partner Doug with this like little idea they couldn't even pitch it properly in a room full of execs or in into a bit to you know CEOs or whoever and then just to see Jay growing confidence throughout the whole movie from start to end from you know this guy these guys with like this small business idea to obviously making one of the biggest friends on the planet and I, I loved seeing Jay's evolution and I think Glenn's character Jim I think Jim is kind of like a metaphor of like what can happen when you can have this amazing idea, but if it's poorly managed, then of course it's going to fail because, you know, Jim was doing fraud. (laughs) He was doing a lot of like shady like things. And I guess that, and even though they all need each other throughout the film, we saw the breakdown of their relationship. And yes, Apple made this amazing product, but one could argue it was kind of the mismanagement the breakdown of their relationship which is why you know blackberry led to a collapse 
Yeah, it's such a fascinating kind of rise and fall story. The one thing I struggled with a bit on this was the presentation of it. It's not presented as a documentary, but the style of shooting and the style of the dialogue is quite naturalistic, almost documentary style. And I I think I didn't expect that to be a part of this film and I slightly struggled with it. The camera work is very frenetic and it's lots of these little zooms in on people. It's being shot from kind of across the other side of the room as if there's a documentary crew there trying to kind of capture every moment. And all the dialogue is overlapping each other and it's it's very kind of naturalistically performed. I think I struggled to tune into that at points and um, it didn't feel sort of integral to the story that they were telling. But it's an interesting choice of how you present these sto- this story as if maybe there were people in the room as it happened, kind of watching it all unfold. Did you mm. get with that style more than me? I felt like, yeah, I got with that style because I think for me, the way it was shot and kind of like you said, like the the frantic like camera work, the zooms, it kind of felt like I was in the meeting room with them or I was on that journey with them. Like it kind of gave me like a point of view or like fly on the wall like experience as to, again, like seeing this rise and fall, you know. I think also like it allowed me to see like the world through Doug's eyes, through Jay's eyes, through Glenn's eyes. Like I think... Uh, yeah, I think for me, it kind of gave me that more personable view, which kind of made me more, I guess, planted in that cinema and invested and, and willing to, again, like go on this journey. And I think that's why, like, you know, seeing Mike's evolution, like it hit me because it's like I kind of felt like I was holding his hand or there with him throughout that whole experience. I think the other thing that sometimes was taking me out of this was, so yeah, Jay Baruchel playing Mike Lazaridis, the Mike wig. I was like, why is this wig really bad? What is up with this wig? And then to the point that I was like, I'm going to look up Mike Lazaridis. Turns out his hair completely looks like that. It's a very good wig of a very strange haircut. So if you're seeing images of Jay Baruchel and you're like, why? Do, what's with the wig? That's just how Mike's hair was. That turns out that's that's one of the most true to life things about this film. <laughs> hey, he's rocking the white hair, I'll he tell is. you that. It's a different look for him. Right, and now our final film of the podcast. It is the brand new documentary smoke sauna sisterhood we love docs at picture house cinemas we have quite a comprehensive program of new release documentaries we don't always cover them on the podcast and maybe that's something we should do better in the future but this film is absolutely wonderful you may have seen advertising around it's quite striking there's a very there's this gorgeous poster which looks like it could be framed and put in the art gallery and uh and that's a still from the film and the whole film is is really i don't know like the the cinematography on this deserves to be noted it was a film that played at the Sundance Film Festival to great acclaim and I'm glad it's getting a cinema release often documentaries go straight to TV or streaming and I do think this one is is so beautiful and so immersive it's important to see it on the big screen it is uh, well I'll, I'll let Ben and Joy talk about what it's all about but uh, I saw this film I, I, I was blown away very moved and I love a film that can take you on a journey in under 90 minutes. Killers of the Flower Moon does that, uh, the one we talked about earlier today. Uh, that does that in three hours and, and 26, and I wouldn't cut a minute from Killers of the Flower Moon. I think it all deserves to be there, but I do love it when a film comes in at a tidy under 90. I think this one's at 89, 88 minutes long. And yes, uh, fascinating, uh, you know, sort of step into a world I know nothing about. And and yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to see it's, it's playing well at festivals. And I hope it plays well when it opens in cinemas later 
in October. But without further ado, let's pass over to Ben and to Joy to hear what they thought of Smoke Sauna Sisterhood. So, final film, Smoke Sauna Sisterhood. Again, what an experience. What is this film, Joy, and what did you make of it? So, Smoke Sauna Sisterhood um, is a movie uh, that's shot in a actual smoke sauna, and it's a documentary. So, these are real women sharing their innermost secrets and intimate experiences. Um, and yeah, it's kind of them washing off the shame uh, trapped in their bodies and regaining their strength through a sense of communion. And um, I thought it was really good. So it was really good. I that's the thing. I didn't do. I didn't know it much before. I didn't even know it was a documentary. Like going in, like I kind of just went in blind, and I thought it was so. It was just so interesting, captivating, and I'm watching it as so. It's set in Estonia, and I'm watching it as a black woman from London. You know, I've lived in London my whole life. I'm a child of immigrant parents, and yet the ladies telling the stories. I think it just goes to show that being a woman is a universal experience. You know, they touched on themes like abortion, virginity, starting your periods, um, your first love, um, harsher topics like sexual assault. And I found myself relating like to these women who I've never met before. Um, so I thought it was really interesting and yeah, relatable. And having a group of best friends who are who are female. And, you know, having female friends and being close to them, it did teach me and it made me, I guess, proud of sisterhood and just seeing how like, yes, like women are great. <laughs> and it's, it's great to sisterhood is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's something I've experienced in my life. And to see it on screen was stunning. And I hope, you know, viewers realize that as well. Like sisterhood is a, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, this film is an incredible portrait of that, of these women who have created a physical and emotional space for themselves to be able to to share their experiences, to be able to kind of physically cleanse their bodies and also talk about the most difficult things that have happened in their lives in this in this sauna. And it feels like an incredible privilege to watch this film and to be allowed into that space and the way that the director Anna Hintz has created this film, how she has shot it, how she has presented these stories is really beautifully presented and really sensitively done. A lot of it is the camera is in the sauna with the women. Often you, the frame will be kind of filled with, with skin, with, these women in these spaces, but it's very dark. You often don't quote quite know what it is you're seeing or who it is you're seeing or which body part you are seeing. It's just this kind of almost impressionistic imagery. 
And over the top of that, you hear them telling each other their stories and their, yeah, sometimes very dark, upsetting things, sometimes funny, hopeful things. And it does feel like a privilege to have a film like this that can take you into that space somewhere that you would never get to go. That's what cinema can do is is take you to these places. Mm. And that's the thing, like, the fact that it was shot, because it was actually shot in a smoke sauna, and seeing, knowing that this is like a, it's a thing that happens in Estonia, and like, the smoke sauna really is a place where you can get that like emotional and spiritual release, and it made me think, I want to go to smoke sauna, I want to have this experience, and a lot of those takes, I think she said there were like one takes. Like she said that she didn't know any of the stories of the women um, before. She she knew of the women, but for example, I think she didn't know that one of them had cancer. Um, so I think, yeah, she said that she wanted it to be authentic. Like as a filmmaker, she wants it to be authentic. And yeah, I guess she said that being in a cinema hall is the best way, I guess, that you feel like you are actually in a smoke sauna. So yeah, super immersive experience. And I hope it gets, I hope women and people around the world relate to it. Hope people, men relate to it and understand, further understand like what women go through. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting watch and yeah, really relatable. It goes to some really heartbreaking places as well. I would just say it might be worth looking up some of the content in this film in terms of trigger warnings. There are some really, the thing that's fascinating about the documentary and that is so powerful about it is the rawness of a lot of the stories and the fact that the women are able to tell each other these stories and and share their experiences. But there is stuff that is really hard to watch and hard to listen Mm -hmm. to. So it might be worth depending on your own personal mileage of, of looking into what some of those stories are. But to get to be in that space, to get to hear those stories, to get to see that this kind of space exists for people is a fascinating thing. And I didn't know what to expect from this going in, but I was kind of wowed by it. I, I, mm-hmm. I think seeing this in a cinema, uh, other than seeing it in an actual sauna, is probably the best place that you could see it. Definitely. I second everything you said. Well, those are our four films which we covered on the podcast on our October edition of The Love of Cinema. Thank you very much for listening to those. Now, whilst we have Joy and Ben, two massive film fans in the house, we always like to ask what is still on in cinemas that they would recommend seeking out and what are they looking forward to watching in the future? Something that is on the upcoming release schedule, uh, which is not yet available. Uh, and yeah, we like to like to pick their brains. I always, I always think it's quite fun to see what Tara contributors are looking forward to so Ben we've just seen these movies but what would you recommend what's currently in cinemas now that you would recommend well if I'm going to hop back into a screening right now I'm going to go and rewatch Past Lives which is the feature debut from Celine Song uh, who has made this incredible beautiful relationship drama basically about Nora Greta Lee's character who uh, she's from Korea originally she moves with her family to Toronto when she's about 12 and when she does so she loses contact with her childhood friend Sung, and then over the course of their lives they kind of reconnect in different ways so then when she's a young adult she reconnects with Sung 
on Skype. It takes you back to the Skype days. If you enjoyed BlackBerry and the throwback tech of that, then uh, there's a lot of Skype action in past lives. But Nora, yeah, she reconnects with Sung over Skype. And ultimately, then she is married to a husband in New York. And Sung comes to visit. And it's about the shifting tides in those relationships and in her own life and in Sung's life. And it is beautiful and understated and romantic and complicated. I loved it so much. If, you, if you've not seen Past Lives, it's one of the best films this year. I cannot wait to see it again. What about you? What are you wow. going back to see? Wow, this year, that's a that's a huge statement. I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. That is a great review. You won't regret I'm gonna, it. I'm going to head to Picture House and watch that. <laughs> I recommend people to watch The Creator came out last Friday, starring John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Ken Watanabe. It is directed by Gareth Edwards. Such a good movie, uh, for those that don't know. So it's set in the future, and it follows an ex-Special Forces agent who's recruited to hunt down and kill the creator. So this is a future where there's a war against you know the human race and AI, which, as we know, is a huge, like, topic of debate at the moment and it's a huge you know you know issue in society you know regarding um you know artificial intelligence and so this man is is this agent is sent to hunt down and kill the creator but the creator this huge weapon that the ai uh, race have created is a child <laughs> and so it kind of details you know the relationship between you know this agent who is sent to kill this weapon, but it's also his child. And it just details their beautiful relationship. And I guess you kind of see the innocence of a child who is, I guess, a robot or an AI, <laughs> but then um, his dad, or he's, he's half human, essentially, like his, his, got, his dad is a human. But yeah, this weapon has this, I guess, soft spot for John David Washington. Um, and it kind of details their, their journey. And it's just, it's such an incredible movie. And I think throughout the whole movie, like me and my friend were just sitting next to each other thinking this AI future is so scary we really hope it doesn't happen like we've in the movie not to spoil it but you've got people donating their likeness you know the AI obviously fighting you know the human race and there's a lot of like you know troubles between us and you know weapons and it's just a very scary reality um but it's really interesting and I guess you see the heart behind it and um 100% recommend it Amazing. I haven't had a chance to see The Creator yet. I cannot wait to watch it. What are you looking forward to that's coming up? Have you got something that's out in the next few weeks that you can't wait to see? So it's October, which means one month away from November. I cannot wait to see the new Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yes. Starring regular. I am just, I love this franchise. I'm so happy it's, it's back. You know, I think I've waited a couple of years, way too long uh, for it to come out. And yeah, 17th of November, I cannot wait to see, you know, the story on our screens again. I'm buzzing. Yeah, whole new story, whole new generation. Francis Lawrence, the director, is back, who for me, he made the best one, Catching Fire, I think is the best of the original films. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait to see what they've done with this. It should be really special. Viola Davis, Hunter Schaefer, Peter Dinklage, uh, Jason Schwartzman, it's mad. What a cast. Wait. The trailer, The trailer alone, I saw the trailer it was actually in a picture house uh, screening. <laughs> I saw this trailer in a picture house cinema and I got chills. You know, I think Rachel's going to absolutely blow it out of the park, blow it out of the water. She's such a talented young girl and yeah, I cannot wait. I'm 
insanely excited for that but i don't know if there's anything else this year now that i've seen killers of the flower moon i don't know if there's anything i'm more excited for this year than chicken run dawn of the nuggets <laughs> which i am the chicken run generation year 2000 when that came out i was 10 years old and chicken run was huge for me it's still the highest grossing stop motion animated film of all time the original chicken run it's still a massive deal Ardman have made a sequel and this time they're breaking into a chicken nugget factory it just it looks delightful it looks like pure Ardman. i cannot wait uh and yeah i think it is getting a cinema release as well as a streaming release so i will be there that's not a film for me to watch at home that is going to be me in the cinema with my popcorn waiting for chicken run dawn of the nugget i am so excited you're not the only one there is so much hype for that <laughs> Oh, Ben, it was so nice speaking to you. Where can people find more of you? Yeah, this has been so much fun. So you can find me online. I'm on Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it now. Ben S. Travis, you'll find me there. I work for Empire Magazine, so you can read me at Empire Online in Empire in the Print Magazine. You can hear me on the Empire Podcast. And I also do a podcast called Disneyversity which is uh, me and my friend Sam, who's an animation academic, watching every animated Disney film in order and doing a podcast about each one. So from Snow White all the way up to uh, Encanto and Strange World, we're kind of working our way through all of those with a podcast about each film, digging into the history, digging into re-watching the films, seeing how they stand up and telling sort of the story of the history of Disney through... 100 years of, of movies so at disneyversity you can find us on any podcast app you can find us on twitter and instagram uh, and that's d-i-s-n-i disneyversity like university but disney come and listen and i think you'll enjoy the show uh, joy where can people find you so people can find me across socials. I'm an entertainment presenter and content creator. So you can find me on socials uh, at O-G-O, which is my first name, A Joy on TikTok, on Instagram and Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it these days. And yeah, check out my celebrity interviews. Um, I produce celebrity features. You can watch those as well. And yeah, it's going to be fun, full of joy on my page. And that brings us to the end of another edition of The Love of Cinema. Thank you so much to Joy and to Ben for being our guest contributors. Thank you for watching those films and for talking uh, about them with us. It was great to hear what you thought of them all. Um, also, would recommend following Joy on social media, as she mentioned. Uh, you know, really wonderful interviewer and has got some really great videos up on her social media channels. And follow Ben. Follow Ben on, on social media. Don't follow Ben down the street. Follow Ben on social media, but do check out the Disneyversity podcast. It's uh, it's one of my favorite shows. I, I really love listening to that one. At the time of recording, they broke away from Disney briefly uh, to cover Shrek, uh, the DreamWorks animation from the early aughts. Uh, and that, that episode was fantastic. So check those out. We'll put links in the show notes to both of their works uh, and give them a follow on social media. And, and thank you. Thank you for listening. I couldn't do the show without you if you uh, if you enjoyed the show please do follow on spotify do do give us a star rating same on apple podcasts and any podcatcher that allows that feedback it's always really good to see and it helps others find the show 
for any showtimes and any general Picture House questions, go to picturehouses.com or you can find Picture House on all social media platforms at Picture Houses. That's at Picture Houses with an S. At the time of recording, we're about to open a new Picture House, the Ealing Picture House uh, in West London. Uh, so if you're in that area, come by, say hi. It's uh, it's really beautiful, brand new cinema. At, you know, one of the home of, of British cinemas or Ealing. Uh, brand new cinema uh, in this iconic location. The podcast was produced by Kobe at Strip Media and Laura at Enlit. Thank you so much both for helping us make the show. Literally could not do it without you. And uh, and, and thank you for Kia for supporting as always. We'll be back with a few interview specials on this feed, so do subscribe and, and see what we've got coming up. Because of London Film Festival, we've recently had a lot of directors in town uh, talking about their films, so we've been pre-recording quite a lot of stuff, uh, which we're looking forward to sharing with you in the future. And we'll be back in November with another monthly edition of the podcast another monthly review show thank you so much and see you next time bye